One of my students at Bible school in Johannesburg, but he decided he was going to organize a worship evening. One of the other students is involved in an art gallery. So we had about 30 people in an art gallery, some funky statues standing around. I found another person that likes eggs as much as my daughter. And like everywhere you look, there's a statue of an egg carved out of marble. So I was amazed. I found another egg fanatic. He actually invited me to talk about worship. The focus is on actually worshiping, not on talking about worship. So I think in total, I probably went 15 minutes. I don't know if you've ever heard me preach that short. But the Lord's presence was there. And I spoke about Abraham, him and his son. He takes his son up the mountain. But he says to the young men that were with him, wait here with a donkey. I and my son will go and worship and we will come back to you. Now, I heard that there were these two ministers in the same congregation for a long time. And it was always one of them will have to go. And so finally one of them finds another post. And so for his last sermon to the congregation, he chose that verse. You and the donkey stay here. (laughs) But that's not what I wanted to focus on. Because he says... My son and I, we will go to worship and come back to you. Now, Abram knows he's going to go to kill his son. But in that statement, there is faith that they're both going to come back. And in the New Testament, it actually says that Abram believed that even if he plunged in the knife and lit the fire, he was confident that God could give him Isaac back from the dead. Because his body and his wife's body were dead. They were dead in terms of childbearing. And yet God had given them Isaac from the dead, if you like. And so he was confident that God could give him Isaac back from the dead. But what he's doing is he's saying, he's making a declaration to God, I will withhold nothing from you. I will withhold nothing from you. This is worship. Worship is to withhold nothing from God. Now, withholding nothing from God in the confidence that he's not going to ask anything from you to be evil to you. Can you see that worship has to come out of that perspective? It's not just, I give everything to God because God is this demanding, harsh, that just wants to see how much He can make you suffer. Because if we kind of deserve stuff from God by suffering, then He's not a kind and loving and giving God. Abram went up that hill with confidence that God would not let him come back down alone. You see, in worship, we need to get that different perspective on God. But as I was reading, preparing for for Friday, I got my sermon for Sunday as well. That wasn't my sermon. Because I looked at another word in the Hebrew that we use quite often. It is the word to make bigger. Gadol. Gadol means big. And if you write it differently, it means gadal. It means to make big. To make something large child grows, they're busy becoming bigger, right? You use this word. When it says God will make Abraham great, God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you bigger. And it says that he became a very great man. Now, by that time, he was over 80, later 100. Okay, and it says, and God made him a great man. It doesn't mean Abraham became taller. And I don't think it means Abraham became fatter. He became greater in influence. 
greater in wealth, he became a well-known person that people could see. We use this word in a different way. I'm going to read to you Psalm 34. I actually want to look at just one verse, but I enjoyed the psalm so much when I read it. I'm going to read you the whole psalm. All right. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord is encamped around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. Evil will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. As you read that, you might start out depressed, but especially if you read this out loud, it's very difficult to get to the end of the psalm and still feel down. If you read this psalm, between the time that you started and the time that you end, your circumstances might not seem to have changed at all. But by the time that you're at the end of the psalm, your perspective on your circumstances have changed. Because this doesn't speak about trouble except to mention the fact that the Lord rescues out of trouble. The Lord delivers. He takes us out. You know what David is doing? David is magnifying the Lord. And in verse 3, he invites people to do it with him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This is that same word, gadol, to make big. Let us make the Lord big together. That's why we talk about the magnifying glass. Now let me ask you, when you put the magnifying glass over that thing that you're looking at, when you put on your glasses, does the words actually change size on the page? <laughs> the words stay the same size that they've always been. I promise you. The, the, the page didn't change. What changed? The way that you see the page changed. The magnifying glass just magnified what was already there. The Lord is as big as he's going to be. 
the Lord's pretty big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is an understatement. You do understand he's pretty big. Says he considers the nations of the earth like dust in the scales. So when we say, let us make the Lord big together, you can't make him any bigger. There is nothing bigger. There is no place to put bigger. But when you magnify the Lord, your perception of the Lord changes. You see, it's a different angle. You're getting a different perspective. I told you Friday, the art gallery where we were worshipping had eggs. And I thought it was hilarious because Enrica, when she was little, were given some eggs, Easter eggs, plastic Easter eggs. And she started playing with them. And ever since, she's loved Easter eggs. But there was another thing about Enrica. Small as she was, you know, she remained small for a long time. Recently, she started to grow. But it means that for a long time, she was about knee height. And so she would walk into things. She would crawl into things. She would keep bumping her head against stuff. Tables were lethal. Chairs that the back just leans out. They, they would keep bumping her. And so the one bruise would just begin to fade. You know, it's got that yellow yellowy green look to it and then she would run into something and then there would be an egg again it's like wow eggs all over you know we would try to move furniture and make sure that she doesn't but we kept missing something else that she could run into have you ever actually knelt down gone down on your knees and just looked at the world from a small child's perspective you actually have to get down lower. You have to go on all fours to really get the perspective. What the world looks like to them at that age. You see, the word for worship is to bow down. To make yourself low. To go low. Can you see how the word for worship and the word to magnify go together? You need to go low and get a different angle on God. You need to realize how big he is and exactly how small your problems are. From your perspective, they might look big. But if you get God in right perspective, compared to your problems, God is very big. We tend to make our problems big and the provision of God small. We tend to think about our problems a lot more than we think about the goodness of God. Because, I mean, the problem's in your face. And even if you're not nearsighted, that's still intimidating. So you need to get your focus off of this problem that's right here in your face and get your focus on God. You need to magnify the Lord. You need to make His name great. You need to exalt the Lord. You need to go low so that you can get a higher perspective. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt the Lord together. Sometimes you need to do this with other people because you, if you're depressed enough, you don't know how to get out of it. But you need to hang around people that will say to you, let us magnify the Lord. Let us get together and talk about God's goodness. Let us talk about all that he has done for us in the past. You know, I had lots of trouble and the Lord rescued me out of 
all my trouble. The Lord heals my diseases. The Lord delivers me from all my fears. All, that's a big word. All my fears. The Lord takes me, makes me free from all my fears. You know, when you start talking about what God has done, you get confident about what God is going to do. If God did all of that, there is no way that he will leave me in this situation. Can you understand how just that, it's growing faith in you. It's growing confidence in you that the Lord is with you. This isn't the only verse in the Bible that uses this, you know. In, now, we talk about magnifying the Lord, right? I want to show you something about what the Lord thinks. Now, Ezekiel 38, the Lord is actually complaining that his people are not glorifying him. His people are in idol worship. So the nations of the earth are actually missing the greatness of the Lord. The people of God are supposed to magnify the Lord, right? But if they are worshiping idols, that's not magnifying the Lord. And now the consequences of their actions has come upon them. They've been taken into exile. The Lord says, but I'm going to bring them back. I will restore my people. And then he ends saying this in verse 23, Ezekiel 38, verse 23. I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know I am the Lord. I'm going to do something for you that you don't even deserve, and I will get glory out of it. I will make myself big in people's eyes. So that all the nations will know that I am the Lord. Now, we need to get this clear. Why does God want to be large in the eyes of the nations? Why does the Lord want to be magnified? Why does the Lord want to be worshipped? Does he have an ego problem? Does he sit on his throne and say, Oh, worship me. Worship me. Oh yes, more, more. Does he need us to massage his ego? Make him feel better. No, it's when you see him for who he is that you will ask from him in confidence. It is because the Lord's intention has always been for his people to be such an example that the nations will look at it and say, we want to know your God. He wants to draw all nations to himself so that he can bless them. God wants to bless you. That's why he needs you to magnify him. Because what he can do in your life is limited by what you believe him for. God can do far more than you what you can think, ask or imagine. But it never says he can do far more than what you can believe for. Amen. New Testament says God can do far more than what you can ask, think or imagine. So the limiting factor is... What do you believe him for? And a lot of the times, the reason why we don't ask big is because our perception of God is pretty small. Sometimes our problem is our perception of God is that he's big, but not big enough for this. He supplies, but not enough for this. I mean, the Lord is present, but he's not present enough for this. And what we're doing is we're actually reducing God. We're making him small in our own eyes. He says, you need to magnify me. You need to worship me. You need to exalt me. You need to come and bow down before me so that you can get the right 
angle on who I am. You need to have another perspective. Magnify me. And once you start doing it, when you start getting it, you want other people to join in on it. If you go out and eat, I mean, we're meeting in a restaurant, right? So I'll ask the restauranteur. You see somebody come in and they sit on their own. They enjoy their food, but it's not the same as when they're with somebody that they love. And if you bring out something that they really enjoy, they, they, the two of them order something different. When that guy cuts into that steak and he puts it in his mouth and it's really good, he goes, mm, you, you gotta try this. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm cutting you a piece. You have to try this. This is, ah, oh, the, ah, oh, the, ah. Oh. Sweetie, you've gotta try this. Let me just scoop a spoon for you. Just, just, just say, ah, oh. like, like, this is good stuff. You know, in Psalm 34, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is God. You see, when I start getting a different perspective on God, I want everybody else to join me. Because this is good stuff. That's why we share the gospel. Not because it's this big burden pressed on us. You better share with others. If you know God, if you've tasted of his goodness, you want everybody to know. You've got to try this stuff. This is, it's good. You see, and then you start telling other people, oh, come on, let's magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt Him together. Let's do this. We want to magnify the Lord. The Lord says, I will do things for you so that other people will see and know that I am the existent God. I'm the real God. When he says, and all the nations will know that I am the Lord, the word there is Yahweh, I am. The other nations will know I am the real God. I exist. God wants to bless you, bless you abundantly, bless you more than what you can handle, simply to show other people how good he is. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. We're not talking about being greedy for stuff. But the Lord wants to bless you. He wants to bless you to make you an example of His goodness. But He can only bless you if you start magnifying Him. Until you start believing Him that He is good enough, the amount of blessing that He can pour out on your life has a cap on it. Thank God He's merciful and He sometimes blesses us despite our small faith. But what he wants to do is much, much bigger. Because he doesn't just want to bless you, he wants to do something bigger in your life. And since you're listening so well, I didn't even know if I would get to this part of the message. But since you're with me, I know I can go the next one. It could have been next week's sermon, but I'm going to go the next one. All right? So, Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verses 30. To 31. I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. This is, this is interesting. The Lord says how you magnify him is with song and with thanksgiving. Everybody can sing. Not everybody should record, but everybody can sing. Even if you don't think it's your personality. And you magnify him with thanksgiving. You need to say thank you for what he's done. It's by thanking him for what he's done in the past that you get enough of a perspective on him that you can trust him for things in the future. And then he says, and this, it, 
singing to him, magnifying him through thanksgiving, will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hoofs. You know, they had to bring sacrifices of animals to the temple. He says, if you come to the Lord and you praise him and you honor him and you magnify him with thanksgiving, that's better. The Lord thinks that's better than making a huge financial gift. A young bull or an ox was an investment. You needed that. It's like selling your tractor. If you're a farmer, it's like selling your tractor and donating the money to the church. He says, you come to the Lord with praise and thanksgiving. To the Lord, that's better. The Lord's not really looking for your money. The Lord's looking for your heart. He wants you to see Him for who He is. You see, because if you can see Him for who He is, He can do things for you. He can do things in your life. Now, what really cooked my goose, what really got me, is when I went back and looked where this word was used the first time in Scripture to magnify. And you know what? The first time that this word was used was not in relationship to what we do to God. Genesis 12, verse 2. Well, let's start from verse 1. This is God speaking to Abraham when he's still Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Verse 2. And I, this is the Lord, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Just retranslate that. It's the same word. The Lord is saying to Abraham, Abram, I, the Lord, will magnify you into a nation. And I will bless you. And Abram, I will magnify your name. And you will be a blessing. When God does things for his people, he is increasing them. He's growing them. He's making them great. And He blesses us in so many different ways. When God gets to bless you, He's magnifying you so that you can be a blessing. It's not because God wants you to get proud into a place where you just demand and have stuff. It's about God wanting to display His goodness. God says, Abram, I'll make you great. I'll make you a great nation. I'll give you a great name. And you will be a blessing because the vast majority of people have a hard time believing for something that they haven't seen yet so god says i'm looking for somebody that will believe me without having seen so that i can bless them so that people can see that i'm a blessing god i'm looking for somebody that will walk by faith and not by sight because if i can find somebody that will walk by faith and not by sight i can bless them and the moment that I bless them, they become a blessing because other people see what I'm like. God says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. If you do this thing, I command you to leave. If you leave, if you do, if you obey me, you're going to a country that you haven't seen. You don't know even where you're going. But if you go, you're believing me without ever having seen. And then I can bless you. I can make you a great nation. I'll give you a great name. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. Never leave the last part of that sentence out. Amen. Do you understand? And you will be a blessing. People get all tied up in this. 
is it, is it selfish for me to ask the Lord for a blessing as if the Lord doesn't have enough to bless everybody? There's nothing selfish about asking the Lord to bless you. He has enough. He's not going to run out. He doesn't have to take from somebody else to bless you. I promise. If the Lord blesses you abundantly, He came by what He gives you honestly. I promise. And His purpose is to be good to you and to be good to others. The question is, can you see Him for who He is? Can you see Him as the God that is enough to bless and bless and bless? Can you have that perspective on Him? Can you be one of those people that say there is enough in God that I can draw from him and never run dry. When my emotions are down, 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 I can hook into God and God will bless me. There's enough in God that no matter what they do to me at work, I can draw from the Lord. There's enough in God. The stuff that I have to do for work that seems to be inconvenient for my family, there's enough in God that he can supply for all of us. Emotionally, even if I can't be there every day, all the time, there's enough in God that if I'm doing what he gave me to do, there's enough. God can bless me. The time that I do have, the Lord can increase. He can make more with it. My emotions does not have to go all dried up and withered. There's enough in God that I can draw from him He's big enough. He will bless me. And when he blesses me, I can be a blessing. We have some teachers here. And all of you went to school at some stage. And you know that when your teacher is in a bad place, the teaching environment is not a good one. Jelle kinders maak my op. Ek is op. But if you have access to the source, you can draw. You can ask, Lord, bless me emotionally so that I have in abundance in overflowing so that I can give that same teacher with the presence of God overflowing it's a positive experience to be in the classroom why because something is running over it is not selfish to ask God to bless you because if he blesses you you are a blessing to others but the process has to be kick-started by faith. God had to find somebody that would believe him without having seen. You can be that somebody. You can be the one that can believe God to bless you abundantly, overflowing so that you can be a blessing. That's why we need to make the Lord great. We need to make the Lord great in our eyes so that he can make us great so that other people will see that he is great. Can you understand? It's not just let us magnify the Lord because the Lord needs it. And it's not just let us magnify the Lord so that the Lord will bless us. It is let us magnify the Lord so that he will bless us so that other people will see him and that the Lord can be made great in their eyes and that they can be blessed too. Can you see how this thing rolls? Once it starts building momentum, this thing can grow. And every time that you can get somebody else to join in, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Guess what? It's more momentum. So I can go to somebody else and say, come, join us. Come magnify the Lord with us. Let us exalt His name together. And there's more momentum. And once that thing starts rolling, it gets pretty hard to stop. When we were in, in China, everybody couldn't afford a big tractor. 
And they had these teensy little plots of land. So they had this thing that just had two wheels with the engine, two-stroke engine on the axle, balanced on the axle. And then it has two handles that come out, and they're basically two clutches. So you start this thing up, and then it starts to walk. And when you pull the clutch, then this wheel stops moving, and then that one runs. That's how you turn it. And they could hook all kinds of things to the back of these things. It's one of these two strokes. So the guy standing there going, blubub, blubub, trying to get it started. But in winter, the guy's got turning and turning. And every time you think it's going to go, like, and there he goes again. And eventually, this thing is warm enough, and it goes, and then it's got the steady run to it. Somebody has to start that flywheel off. You understand? Somebody has to put their hand to it and say, I'm going to start doing this. Somebody has to believe the Lord without having seen. Someone has to start magnifying the Lord and saying, Lord, you're big. You're big and I want you to bless me. Lord, Fulfill all your promises over my life. Thank you, Lord. I'll take them all. I'll believe every single promise. And you know what? When Abraham finally believed the promise that he was going to have a son, it says, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That is why until today, we Christians call ourselves the descendants of Abraham by faith. It's the faith. You understand? It's not these Jewish genetics. We're his children by faith. Because this is what God is looking for. Will you believe me so that I can bless you? Will you magnify me in your eyes so that I can move in your life through faith? May God do something in us that we will get a bigger heart, a bigger perspective on God, a better idea of how big and how good and how gracious he is. The greatness of His love and mercy and goodness towards us is beyond calculation. The Lord is big enough to do things for you. There's so much anger right now in this country about who gets what and who has what. And it's all about the belief that there's only so much good stuff to go around. Our perspective on what's available is too small. So I'm either not willing to share or I'm willing to take by violence. Because I don't believe God is big enough to supply for all of us. So I'm not going to share or I'll take from you. Because if I don't take from you, I'll never have. The main issues in our country are spiritual. And the real issues, do we believe God is big enough to supply for us all? Sometimes people say, you know, this Christianity stuff, what what good is it? What's it going to change? How is that going to improve our country? How is that going to improve our circumstances? Magnify the Lord and see what happens. For us to worship the Lord is about as politically active as we can be. I'm not talking about just coming here to just fulfill a certain ritual. To really worship the Lord, if you're really worshiping the Lord, if you're really magnifying Him, You're doing your country a favor. This is how we change society. We get to magnify the Lord and then we get to say to other people, do you see how good he is? Let me share something of what he's done in my life with you. This is good stuff. Taste it and see. The Lord is good. Because he's good, let us exalt his name together. 
Let us magnify the Lord together. Who wants to pray and magnify the Lord together? You want to do that? Let's stand.